We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The Fix Network. Hello, and welcome to episode 252 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up in our very, very humble opinion. I am Giles Alderson and welcome to the show. Today we have on the filmmakers behind the fantastic indie film Lapwing. That's right, we have on writer Laura Turner, director Philip Stevens and star Hannah Douglas. Uh, We dive deep into their fantastic period drama set in 1555. Uh, It's set on the salt marshes in the Lincolnshire Plains, uh, right by the sea. It is earthy, lonely, it's turbulent and intoxicating. And that's not just the podcast. (laughs) That is Lapwing. It is an amazing indie film. You should go support this. It is out now. It's still doing a cinema run, but you can get this uh, on most uh, major platforms at the moment. In my opinion, it's similar to The Witch, uh, which was Zegas' film last year, or Alejandro Landos's Monos. You like those films, you're going to love this. Coming up for you on this episode, what I discussed with Laura Turner, Philip Stevens and Hannah Douglas was how it felt to receive the incredible praise that Lapwing has received. Um, When a film gets released, what goes through your mind? Dealing with press, how you're suddenly supposed to speak to press about your film. We also dive into why make a period drama. They shot the film in 2017 and why it took so long for the film to be released. Laura talks about the screenwriting process and how it started off as a short and how she needed to expand that world. We also dive into how they managed to raise money through the BFI, not on Lapwing, but through their short films and how you can too. And finally, collaboration and why it is so important. All that's to come for you on this week's Filmmakers Podcast as we dive in with the Lapwing Lapwing stars Hannah Douglas uh, as Patience, Emmett J. Scanlon in a fantastic role. He's flying at the moment um, as an actor, Peaky Blinders recently, and many, many others. Also stars Sebastian D'Souza, Javid Khan, Sarah Whitehouse, Louis Gemmel, Sophie Kamal, Sarah Xanthi. Marcus Howden, Karen Crow, David Clayden, and Matilda Gordon. Produced by Andy Mullins, uh, Justin Tagg, and the cinematographer was Stuart McGregor. Uh, so it is Christmas time. If you want a present for someone or for yourself, we have some amazing merchandise for you. Uh, just go to our website, filmmakerspodcast.com, and you will see the merch section. And there, click through, because there are some amazing jumpers, some amazing t-shirts. I say amazing. They're cool, right? They're all right. 
But if you want some cool merch, that's all right, merch. <laughs> Click through. But we've got some great mugs. We've got some great coffee holders. Uh, some cool things for on set as well. So go have a look and treat yourselves or someone else, a film fan, uh, to some of our merch. Why not? I'm peddling the shit out of it. <laughs> we do have 15% off for you. Uh, the code to that is Xmas. XMA. Yes. Link to that is in the show notes. Also, our Patreon. Come and join us. We have so much bonus material on there now. All the stuff that doesn't make the podcast that is also amazing. Toby cuts out some brilliant sections on funding, on uh, working with actors, on what it was like uh, distributing the movie. All those sections, because we want to keep the podcast to about an hour. All those sections then go onto our Patreon page. But you can only get them if you're part of our Patreon team. And you don't have to pay much for it. Uh, so it's totally worth it and it just helps the podcast grow uh, so if you do fancy that come and join us again links to that is in the show notes but just go to filmmakerspodcast.com and click on the patreon link right let's get to it this is myself Giles Olsen talking to the team behind Lapwing Laura Turner the screenwriter Philip Stevens the director and actress Hannah Douglas sit back relax and enjoy Hi. So how are we? We good? Yeah. Yeah. yeah really Ready. good, thank you. Really yes. good. Really good, thanks. You should feel good because Lapwing is already out now and it's doing really well. The reviews are amazing. The film itself is incredible. I loved it. I thought it was brilliantly visceral and exactly the kind of movie I like, especially when it's independent movie. Thank you so much. It means a lot. How do you feel at the moment then with it going out? You know what I mean? It's your debut movie. It's released. Tell us about it. It's amazing. Um, honestly, and I, we, we really didn't expect the, the kind of buzz that we've received so far from the film. Um, we, you know, we knew that it was a challenging film. We knew that it was a film that was going to uh, raise a few eyebrows and mm -hmm. probably be a little bit marmite to quite a few people. But the audience response has been the thing that's been really utterly, um, you know, humbling. And after bit going down the road for such a long time you lose a bit of objectivity and you just think does anybody actually does they make any sense anymore <sighs> and thankfully it seems that it does and people really have kind of connected with it which has just been a blessing for us it really has totally totally has it's that it's that wonderful time isn't it when you're releasing a film and you do it's that it's just such a weird thing especially it's a debut movie you know and, and playing a lead as well for you Hannah it is that fear no one really talks about that yeah. At all. We, we always talk about trying to get a film made, how you do that, and then, you know, the, the, when you're making it. But no one really talks about the release time and the strategy behind it. And you just sort of end up being shoved along a few interviews and you sort of, what am I supposed <laughs> to say here? Yeah. How, how have you found that? Did you prepare in any way? Did the PR companies help you? Did you think about what you were going to say? Well, I think it's funny. Um, Phil and I were actually having a conversation about this yesterday because um, we were doing a Q&A event last night. Yes. Um, and somebody sort of asked us, do you prefer to get the questions in advance or do you prefer to kind of not? And we were both saying, actually, for us personally, we really like not getting the questions in mm. advance. We really like just having a spontaneous conversation about the film. And I think actually the really lovely thing is because obviously it was a long time ago that we developed the story, that I wrote the script, that Phil was in pre-production. And then when we shot the film, you know, it's it's kind of five 
five, six years ago for both of us in terms of that process. Um, but yeah, I think that's actually kind of meant that it's it's come full circle and we've sort of had that, we almost had that time and that space away from the project. So then for it to kind of come back and be at this stage where as you know, as we've said, we're kind of introducing it to people. We're just so ready to talk about it and to talk about those themes. And I think, you know, as you touched on already a little bit with the, you know, some of the themes that are so important and inherent in the story, what's been fascinating for us to sort of note has has actually been how much in, in many ways, how much more prescient a lot of those themes have actually become in recent times. So, you know, it really feels like there's there's some urgency around some of the conversations that we are, you know, being fortunate enough to be able to have around the film, both in terms of immigration and xenophobia, but also the themes of the female voice, domestic violence, isolation, um, you know, all of those things. I think the last couple of years, um, the events across the board in the last couple of years have really thrown those into a sharper focus. So it actually feels like there's a lot that we're just, you know, is kind of really close to the surface um, and ready for us to kind of speak about, which has been really lovely to sort of untap that a little bit. I mean, I think, yeah, it's just been as I say, because it's been a long time coming, I think we felt very ready for it as well, which is nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I think part of it was that we didn't, because we didn't expect there to be quite as much buzz, not that we, you know, didn't hope there would be, but we certainly, we didn't expect it to strike as much of a chord with so many people. I think it's just a pleasure to have a discussion about the film now and we're, we're taking it as a positive that we're able to. So the fact that, you know, there are so many people like yourself who, you know, who want to kind of dig down a little bit and talk about the process and about how the film came about means that for the first time we're able to have a discussion about something that, as Laura said, we've, you know, we've been living with for quite some time and have, you know, we've, we've been living it. So now we're getting to share it and actually to be able to share something with willing participants rather than people who you say, <laughs> We made a film and people say, oh, yeah, well, well, well done. Um, people who are coming to us actively and saying, you know, we really, really loved your film and something, you know, it speaks to us means that we've got a platform with which we can talk to people about it with confidence. Um, and, you know, hopefully it will carry on that way for a while as well. But yeah, there is certainly there's a nerve wracking element to it and and, mm. and and a bit of shock, you know, a bit of, like you say, we don't talk about this enough, that the, that part of the filmmaking process that's once you've made a film, you know, quite often you make a film and it goes out into the world and you you sort of, you watch it go and you mm -hmm. and it comes back every so often and you have a conversation about it. But when everyone wants to have a conversation about it, mm -hmm. it changes the way you evaluate the process a little bit. And I think this is an important part of... Um, of what, we do, what we're doing is we're actually getting an opportunity to have a chat with people about it, get to the bottom of why we made it. Yeah. Well, let's play the trailer then. Let's explain what the film's about. A Lapwing, set in England, 1555, about an isolated group of salt farmers who arrange a legal passage to Europe for an Indian gypsy family who are in hiding. But a love affair between Patience, a mute English girl, which is played wonderfully by Hannah Douglas, and Rumi, played by Sebastian D'Souza, who's a the son of the Egyptians threatens to destroy both communities. Down in yonder green field. Down, down, hey, down, hey, down. The boat will be coming in at the beginning of the month. Camp down on the beach. These marshes are ours. Eliza Knight's laying under his shield with a down. You stay away from us, do you hear? His arms say lie down at 
I am pleased to meet you. So will they can the master key? Yeah, that girl, man. She's a dead again. You already know that, don't you? The script is fascinating and really in-depth, but to make a period drama is difficult anyway. To make one in 1555 with a story no one's ever heard of, you know, that's just, you know, it is a really difficult sell and a difficult sort of go, yeah, let's get some money, we'll get loads of money for this. So, you know, I suppose that's the question, is that why this story? What was it about this uh, that appeal to you and obviously you're kind of making it up anyway you're kind of creating this story were you working on it together philip and laura was that something that you were kind of from the off you were like hey let's come up with an idea how did the idea come about definitely yeah i mean so phil and i were already collaborating on various um short film projects at the time and we've been working together in theater as well um and working with hannah in theater as well um we'd right. all work together on a couple of theater productions phil and i were kind of having a lot of conversations about what was next for us, what we wanted to do. And um, there were kind of various elements that we were kind of actively speaking about. Um, you know, we have both always been fascinated by the past and using the past to tell stories about today. So we felt, I think we both felt quite clearly that we were interested to explore something that was kind of within that sort of period drama setting. Um, and then other elements of the kind of creative developments sort of came into place I sort of had a a vision of um, Patience, this young woman in Tudor and Elizabethan dress on a beach covered in blood um, was kind of a, a really sort of stark early image that I had for the piece um, mostly because I've always been obsessed with the Tudor period and fascinated with it as as a time that feels almost like the first time that we can kind of really connect with in terms of they were people like us you know I think mm -hmm. prior to that it's it's a little bit different we're a lot further removed from the kind of the middle ages and the medieval times but that that kind of renaissance that was happening in the 1500s I think is really connectable and at the same time Phil was making some uh documentaries set on the Lincolnshire coastline um which is where we're both based um and we both felt that that was such a beautiful kind of evocative landscape for a piece of work that we we really wanted to explore 
explore. And I think all of those kind of elements came together to sort of create the early kind of ideas that were at the heart of Lapwing right from the start. Um, and I was, as, as I say, there was this image of a woman covered in blood. So I always had this sense that it was a piece that didn't shy away from the violence and from the darker elements of what life is like, especially for a young woman at that particular time and a young woman who was potentially very trapped in a very toxic situation um, with a very abusive and tyrannical man. But we did actually initially plan Lapwing as a short film. It was going to be our sort of next short film project. Yeah, which is really interesting, kind of, as you say, when you then sort of bring in the the inevitable kind of, you know, potential financial implications of creating a period drama um, on a short film budget. And that was sort of what we actually started running up against. We were getting a lot of really positive industry interest in the piece. But a lot of people were saying to us, you just can't make this on a short film budget. You know, what did we do? We kind of, we took that on board and we went, okay, well, we'll make it for a feature then (laughs) instead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean it we was, can't make this a exactly, you lot? Let's do a feature exactly. of it. <laughs> I yeah. love that. Yeah, it's, definitely. It, was, it really was kind of just, I think that sort of, de- you know, things, certain things happen, don't they, in your careers that sort of bring out that sense of determination. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that, you know, Phil, Hannah and I have always kind of had, I think, you know, we've always just kind of gone, yeah, no, we feel passionate about this story. We're going to make it happen. And Phil in particular has just been absolutely incredible at, you know, making that happen and kind of like really leading that ethos. Um, you know, we was, we were saying just yesterday, weren't we, Phil, about the, the type, like you just kind of rang me one day and you were like, we're going to do it. We're just, we're going to make this and we're going to make it happen. And I love that. You know, that's exactly what I'm kind of all about as well. I think that's the most exciting way to make really cool work with people that you really enjoy collaborating with and working with. I love that. That's really cool. Because you made the shorts, uh, The Empty Throne and Going Country as well, which Emmett uh, J. Scanlon was in, who's your, you know, I suppose your protagonist but he's not your protagonist but he's that you know what i mean he's part of that world isn't he i mean antagonist yeah, yeah antagonist Definitely let's go antagonist. with antagonist yeah. yeah more than protagonist yeah. Uh, yeah he's your antagonist and yeah he was in that with julian kostoff who was actually hmm. uh my producer of the dare as well so it's a, this whole connection ah. world is uh, it's always smaller amazing yeah, it's, a, it's a small, in- yeah, it's a small really, industry really is. yeah and the fact that you worked on those and i love the fact that you were saying look we've made those they, they were doing well in festivals and winning awards and bits and pieces but sometimes to make that step from short to feature is really difficult because people go yeah cool we want to see what you're doing but to get money or to someone to trust you to make a feature weirdly even though you can make shorts and you it is you can do it it's very difficult so so with lapwing you said right okay we're not going to do this as a short we're going to make it as a feature great how then did you manage to find the money? How did you manage then to go, how are we going to do this? Um, and at this point, Hannah, were you involved, I suppose, is, the, is a good question. Had you already thought, look, we'd like Hannah to be in this? We, um, you know, we for a long time, we had been in that position where we just weren't sure about how to make the move to make a feature. And it was that thing where everyone keeps saying, well, you know, all your short films do so well. And, you know, they win festivals and they do brilliant things. And, and there was a point where actually as a filmmaker, I was sort of, I was a bit fatigued by it. And I was kind of fatigued by the weight and the, I suppose I was waiting for someone to come and tap me on the shoulder, which I also knew wasn't going to happen. So, I, yeah, as Laura said, I, the one day I just said, you know what, 
we, we can do this. I don't know how, but we can do it. Um, even if it means doing something with nothing, we can definitely do it because we've we've made such ambitious short films with very little money, and you know we've mm-hmm. done a lot with with tiny budgets. I'm sure we can create you know something that's three four times as long. And so I rang Laura up and just said, right, we're doing it. And this was in a February of uh, 2017, I think, and then uh, we were shooting the film in August. Um, obviously, we'd done a lot of prep work on the short film before then. We'd, um, you know, we'd put a lot of mileage into the pre-production with production design, mood boards, and you know, uh, the work that we do with Stuart McGregor, our incredible cinematographer. Um, you know, I've mm-hmm. worked alongside Stu for many, many years, and we we have a shorthand. We know how each other thinks and so we plan things quite meticulously and within that framework we were able to approach people and just say look you know this is our track record um this is the kind of work we do and this is a film we want to make that says something that's got something to say that is relevant to today's society and is uh, is something that we think is needs to be heard mm-hmm. and people got behind it we were very lucky we had a very successful crowdfunding campaign and then off the back of that we managed to um we managed to entice uh, independent investors and yeah after a, a very short space of time actually just a lot of hustle um we managed to pull together a lot of very talented people to get behind the film and people who are willing to have a little bit of a give it a little bit of a risk and um and put some money behind it which obviously we're eternally grateful for now i don't know if without that blind sort of belligerence and build it and they will come attitude whether we would have made this we probably would have been making another short film now and you know another short film Mm. and i think it is such a hard thing to do to make that jump it's so hard and people, you know, people ask me regularly, you know, well, how, how do you do it? You've done it. How do you do it? And to be honest, I'm still not sure. Um, I think, you know, that when the fates align, if you're determined enough, it will happen. But every situation where that happens is different. And for every filmmaker, it's a slightly different path, as we all know as filmmakers. But sometimes something clicks and it just works. And this was one of those times, thankfully. Mm, totally. I love that. I, I actually, I, something we say on the podcast all the time is, look, just go do it doesn't really matter if you're making this for uh, some big award winning whatever or you're making it for you and most of the time you are just making it for you and hoping it goes somewhere um but the fact here is that you went sod it we're gonna make sure people said nah so make a feature crowdfund it and do it that way i mean that means that your budget was pretty low i mean it means it was coming in or maybe what you'd make a short for ish and it means you did it all yourselves. Yeah, it's certainly what some people would make, make a short for. Um, I'd love to have made a short for the amount that we made this feature for. That would have been amazing at some point in my career. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a it was a very low budget. It was a micro budget production, and I, I don't think, to be honest, if you know most people who have seen the film and have had have had, have had guesses at the budget are out by many, 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 many numbers. Um, <laughs> Many, many, many pound signs yeah. short on how much it took to make the film, um, yeah. which, you know, which is another testament to the incredible people Absolutely. involved in the hard work that went into yeah, it. Yeah, it's the blood, sweat and tears of people going, hey, let's go do this. Take a chance on us. Let's go do this together. Do you, I, I take you didn't shoot for that long then. Was it a three week shoot for three and a bit weeks? How, how, how long did you shoot for? It was a 16 day shoot. Amazing. 
Amazing. And were you, because you're shooting on the Lincolnshire coast as well, are you kind of staying nearby? I mean, like I say, it looked freezing. <laughs> yeah, pretty, I think so, we were just on set the whole time. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. you stayed in those little tents and went, what are we doing? Freezing our asses off here. Oh, could you just get in the water? The sunset looks beautiful now. Just get, just walk through there, will you? That was, that was pretty much it, actually. Yeah. I mean, but why, as well, why not? Um, myself and my DP, Stu, we, um, we actually were living on a, in a small caravan on set for the entire shoot. We were able to open the doors to the caravan in the morning and step out onto set. Um, <laughs> Both a good and a bad thing. Yeah. yeah, which was convenient and also not particularly, uh, not a particularly comfortable living environment. Um, no. Uh, no. other, other people do we know we we had uh, we had a nice set of uh, hotels and mo- mobile homes and those sorts of things set out for cast and crew but yeah we like to be in it in amongst the storytelling all day every day yeah absolutely because then you can go you can see that sunset <laughs> first thing or last thing and go actually can you come down you know if it isn't far and you and if you are all in it together the, it really is that and the amount of beautiful images that are in this film like stunning little moments vignettes these little pockets of fuck me that looks gorgeous and that looks gorgeous why not you know your film is that you know it's within this realm that you can just go hey that sunlight's just peeking through that little bit of wood that's falling down let's get that shot whatever it is is suddenly just beautiful there's so many moments where it was just like uh yeah hannah actually can you just go and like walk over there we're just going to film you just or can you just sit there (laughs) just like (laughs) amazing scenery or sunsets or trying to get the seals in the um Mm-hmm. in the water which I don't know if we actually did but <laughs> I, I didn't see seals but maybe no. they were there right they were concealing themselves very well yeah how did that feel and then Hannah for you you know you, you're sort of in that environment again it's the first opportunity to play a lead role you are in this environment you are you know 16th century woman and you're playing this role how how did that feel for you then to just did you immerse yourself in it did you just you know not want to you know it might be nice to just stay in in the tents a bit so you could just feel it and live it a bit more how how was that for you for me it was a bit of an actor's dream really because I could completely immerse myself in that world um I switched my phone off for two weeks nice. <laughs> um, so that was great um and yeah it was just it was and I guess because I because I was there um on set most of the time I could kind of just completely immerse myself in that world and that environment and I I guess especially for my character um she is kind of very much part of of nature in a sense Mm -hmm. she is she she kind of um I guess more so than maybe the other characters because because of her her lack of um of verbal language um she kind of finds more comfort and finds more uh sort of connection in in nature so that was a really incredible thing to be able to explore and um yeah for for me as an actress I always prefer being able to kind of fully immerse myself in something because then it's just your imagination um it, it feels more real and I guess as actors that's the thing that we're constantly searching for is for things to feel real yeah absolutely totally just it just even just lying in that environment wearing that those outfits and I can't imagine there was too many crew as well there's a nice list on your your credits and stuff but I imagine it was just you lot sort of going let's go get that you know let's go shoot it uh yeah we'll come back to how you shot it in a bit I think because I think that that's really interesting it felt so 
visceral and connected to the audience that we just felt like we were another person watching this world and we were we were in someone's eyes and that was fabulous to watch. Laura from from your point then let's jump back to the the writing side and the idea of this and patience and his whole uh, and obviously developing it with Phil as well uh, the character of patience and all that world did you find any resources that worked for you did you jump back in time as it were to go what would it feel like here and I know you'd sort of you mentioned earlier about why you wanted to do the idea but to really get in depth of what they were like in the you know mining salt and and living in this way how how did you connect it and 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 obviously wanting to connect it as well to the modern day period as well in a way tell us about your process yeah it was a really fascinating kind of journey I suppose from the the genesis of the idea to then developing it particularly because obviously initially it was a very contained um piece because it was going to be a short film so it really was a kind of moment Mm. a dramatic moment in time in Patience's life and it was a story that was very much centered on her relationship with her sister Lizzie and her brother-in-law David who obviously you know are are still very prevalent in the feature film you know it's very much about the the intimacy and the toxicity um that is contained within that um that kind of family unit of the three of them but you know the main conversations that Phil and I were having once we decided that we were going to do it as a feature was was really about how do we expand the world and how do we make sure that this is um you know that it felt like there was a story there that had a much bigger outlook and a much bigger context while still being about the experience of isolation and the experience of the claustrophobia and that kind of pressure cooker situation of domestic abuse there were other elements that we inevitably wanted and needed to bring in the salt farming was something that um was already part of the short film because brilliantly that was something that phil had discovered whilst he was um doing some of the documentary shooting out on the lincolnshire coast so he'd kind of given um me a real insight into this whole kind of aspect of lincolnshire history that i knew nothing about that yeah there were these nomadic um people who would kind of come and and be seasonal workers essentially and then move on and go to another place and do another job for for a time and for a season and then you know perhaps come back the next year when it was the time to to farm the salt again but perhaps wouldn't um and that these people were often you know essentially kind of outcasts from communities in some way whether they'd perhaps been involved in some criminality themselves or had distanced themselves from other people for an emotional psychological reason there was always kind of something to do with with be feeling separate from the rest of the world but I suppose the other crucial element of the story was when turning it from a short to a feature it was really about going how do we how do we make the stakes high not only in terms of the emotional intimate and internal stakes for these characters but also externally you know what's going on in the world around them that puts that kind of ticking clock over their heads Um, and I was doing some research into the period into the East Midlands um, as was Phil and we discovered about the Egyptians Act that was passed by Queen Mary in 1554 and I mean I was just astonished you know I've kind of mentioned already that the Tudor periods and the Elizabethan period are a time that I'm particularly kind of I've always been a little bit obsessed with I've always been interested in but this was kind of for me this was a huge piece of history that had 
always been missing from the stuff that I'd learned, the stuff that I'd read and watched about that time. And, you know, it really was the the first kind of anti-immigration legislation that was passed in this country. And not only was it passed, but actually in the East Midlands was one of the areas in England where the death penalty was carried out the most because of this Egyptians Act, which, you know, basically made anybody of non-English descent liable for the death penalty if they didn't leave the country within three months. That's so, so fascinating as well to go in depth on that. And then your writing process behind it, then you're getting all this research and and are you sort of doing your, like I say, when it's a short, you sort of need to sometimes shove some bits in or find an ending or not have an ending, but you need that area of story. Now with the feature, you've kind of, and you know, after watching it, you do have Mm. your sort of beginning, middle and end in some way. So is that how you were writing it or were you kind of developing it as you went along so that you could find these moments, these lovely little beats and these ups and downs? Did you plot it all out or did you just kind of throw it out there and see what sticks (laughs) it was a bit it was a bit of a mixture really I mean there was definitely um I'm I tend to be quite structured as a writer so I need something initially to kind of get me into writing the script um so I was kind of working on um scene plans I guess and I wrote a treatment for the piece which I then you know the fact that um, you know, Phil and I have always worked so collaboratively meant that that was always something that was kind of an ongoing discussion. You know, mm-hmm. Phil would read bits and then kind of come back and suggest things and have brilliant kind of thoughts and responses to stuff that we then feed in. Um, mm. But obviously it was also a very quick turnaround. It was a really quick process of actually, you know, all of that kind of research and work that I'd done for the short film um, was then kind of transferred into a very speedy writing process for the script itself because you know as Phil said we decided in February that we were going to shoot it in July so I was between sort of February and and really kind of up to June um, and the very start of July I was um, writing the script redrafting the script um, but also leaving you know leaving room as well for the things that would be found on set as well Mm -hmm. which you know was I think a really important part of the the development of Lapwing and the development of the characters you know working with Phil and Stu but then also you know the skill of Hannah and Emmett in particular, who plays David, once they were on set, you know, really bringing those characters to life. And, you know, Emmett with with David in particular, I think there was such a fascinating journey that he took that character on. I'm always interested in character psychology. And I, you know, really firmly believe that there's not, there's not a single person in the world who is 100% good or 100% bad. I think it's just, you know, we all just experience things in our life. We carry the psychology of those experiences and they inform the choices and sometimes the mistakes that we make. Um, so it was always important to me that that David was was a well-rounded character, not necessarily a, a likable character in any way, mm-hmm. but that that but that we could kind of understand we could see him yes. and go okay there's 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 some some real damage that's been done to this person this is a very damaged and very unwell individual who really does unravel in the course of the story but he's kind of psychologically we can understand why and where he's coming from. Um, mm-hmm. So I always, you know, wanted to create that anyway, but the the level of complexity that Emmett then brought to that character, um, you know, he makes him 
troublingly empathetic at times which mm. i think you know is 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 brilliant and adds another really interesting level of uncomfort to the like discomfort to the piece that you know really kind of makes you makes you ask questions of of people and humanity and what it means to be an individual and to do to do good or bad things um you know and having i think the space on set to explore some of those areas and some of those questions was was really important now obviously during this time philip you're you're developing it as well with Laura, but you're now prepping because you've just said to yourselves, hey, we give ourselves, hey, three months to go shoot this as a feature, raise the money and, and get out there and do it. So there's a lot of prep to do, you know, especially where you were shooting. It's not easy. Uh, you've got to manage all that. Uh, and it seems like you had uh, brilliant producers with Andy Mullins, uh, yourself and Justin Tag as well, who probably put it all together with your production manager, I imagine. Um, but, but I suppose for you, what was your process then to go, okay, I'm going to go do this. Are you? How are you prepping everything at this point now to know what you want to shoot? Well, it was a kind of a massive juggling act. We had so many aspects that we were trying to bring together at the same time, and they were very much they all hinged, hinged on each other. Obviously, you know, we were we were balancing what we could from finding the right locations, which were all very remote and mm -hmm. not particularly hospitable from a filming perspective um, mm. and also making a historical film so we had you know a, a wonderful um, costumier histo um, historical costumier Pauline Lovin who you know is one of the best in the country and is an artist in her own right but we were asking a lot of her to create you know, a selection of costumes in a very short space of time. We, you know, we were obviously pulling casting together as well, mm -hmm. trying to make sure that we, you know, we balanced that casting and weren't rushing it. You know, I didn't just want to kind of drag people in just because we needed them. I wanted to give it the time that it deserved. Um, and also just making sure that we weren't just rushing, that we were telling a story that was rounded, that, that felt like it was achievable, that we weren't going to cut corners because time was against us. Um, and yeah, that's just about pulling a team together that you trust. I'm very lucky in the fact that I have been working with the same team for a long time. So a lot of that legwork that you'd normally do with a group of practitioners is, was already done. The shorthand mm. was there and people kind of knew, knew the expectations that I had and the kind of quality that I like to work to. And also, you know, because we had spent a long time developing a lot of this um, in as a short film, a lot of the kind of mood board stuff, a lot of the location work was done as well. I, you know, I'd spent a long time planning for a short film that we used the same locations for. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. There was a lot of things that were already moving, but yeah, it was a ridiculously short amount of time to pull a film together in. I'm still not entirely sure how we did it. Um, <laughs> yeah. There were many, many sleepless nights, and <laughs> there was I, I didn't have a day off probably for you know, six months maybe um, mm. throughout the entire process. And, uh, you know... I had a lot of people around me that were willing to do the same thing because they believed in it. But yeah, it was an incredibly busy process from dealing with drafts of the script with Laura, so sort of saying, well, you know, sometimes saying, look, we we actually, we can't 
do that because we haven't got a location for it or we can't do that because we can't afford to bring in any other you know actors or we can't do that because and also at the same time trying not to say no trying to make sure that we weren't we weren't pigeonholing ourselves and you know painting ourselves into a corner with the fact that we had a small budget and no turnaround whatsoever so yeah it, it was it was very challenging but at the same time because of the quality of the people we were working with it was achievable which does make sense and and puts into perspective what you're trying to do uh, nonetheless it's still frightening it, it's still still at that point of going yeah of course I, I can do this but let's see what happens but i think it's quite nice that you didn't have any you know, huge expectations in terms of, look, we're just going to go make a feature. Let's see what happens. Let's go do this. Well, how is it for you, Hannah, working with the team then on this and getting into the mindset of this character and then working with Emmett, who is, you know, he, he, you know, he's really there in your face and it's aggressive and it's violent. How is it coping, not only getting into character, but dealing with playing opposite that, especially when you can't speak? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of, Firstly, like when when Laura and Phil asked me to do it, it was like a no brainer because I had worked with both of them before. Um, and so reading the script, reading the treatment, it was like, yes, <laughs> there's no there's, there's there was no doubt in my mind. And I guess all three of us are fairly similar and Emmett as well. I think we're all similar in that we really enjoy the challenge of kind of, you know, someone kind of says okay but you've only got 16 days or it's going to be really hard work because you're going to be on set all the time it's like yeah let's do it yeah Um, Yeah. (laughs) and uh yeah I I mean I I I really enjoy throwing myself into something and kind of fully experiencing it um so I guess Emmett and I were both quite similar in that and whereas I already had this shorthand with Phil I think Emmett and I actually quite quickly uh got that together I guess because we both were coming at it from a similar perspective of yeah completely embracing completely throwing ourselves into the characters and there was kind of a level of um I guess a level of trust built up fairly quickly because we both wanted the same Mm -hmm. thing so you know there were obviously a lot of scenes that Emmett and I had to do together that were you know incredibly intense um and I felt so safe and I felt like I was with people and working with people where I could go to those dark places in my mind we could we could explore all of that but we had this safety net of that trust and kind of yeah all of us were very much in the same boat of really pushing our emotions and our brains to some really really dark places um that have all come from Laura as well <laughs> we always joke about like, being really we're like oh god we're so dark um but it's, so dark. <laughs> but there's that kind of yeah we, we were all very much in the same boat and all able to go to those places because because we felt so passionate about it I tried um for the first few days I was going to do it for the whole uh time but I didn't um <laughs> I didn't I didn't speak for the first three three days you didn't actually speak no. okay Emmett likes to say it was only half a day. It wasn't. It was three days. <laughs> you tried for a bit. Yeah. And yeah, then the end you went, actually, I need to get a point across. <laughs> yeah, I'm not getting in that cold water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Emmett has since gone on. Obviously, he was, you know, a, a very big and decent actor back then. But since his, his star has risen hugely, you mentioned you shot this in 2017. So what, how come it 
took so long for it to come out? How long? What, what was the reason? Was the editing process? Was it the times it pick up? So it, it's always good to know because it happened to me on my first film as well. And it's just frustrating. Yeah, it is. I mean, we the, the post process was slow because we didn't have a budget. Um, you know, we'd, we spent um, quite a long time in post. Uh, editing was a slow process and getting to being, you know, getting into the edit in the first place was a very... Uh, you know, kind of arduous task. We started obviously cutting ourselves, um, but there was points that we just couldn't get past without a budget. Um, so we had to go back into fundraising again in post, which you know took some time and took some effort, and we had to kind of build and build our connections again because we'd run out of financial goodwill from the people That's that the we, problem, we knew. Isn't it? Mm. Um, yeah. And 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 finally we did, and that you know that probably took two years after shooting, so um, maybe a little bit less. And then you know, and then we we took the reasonably slow process of trying to find the best outlet for the film. And um, we were looking for you know a, a distributor, and we'd spoken to Bulldog Film Distribution, who distributed us before, who were fantastic, you know, the mm-hmm. wonderful. Um, just they, we could you know we couldn't have ever done this without them. Phil Hoyle from Bulldog's been incredible with us. Um, but when we approached them the first time, they had a film called Gwen um, out, which is a fantastic historical film. But it was a historical film with a female lead um, that had quite similar themes and yeah. also a, a similar historical uh, approach to Vistas and the English countryside. And they said, look, we love your film, but we just think it's a little bit too close to the film that we're, we're currently you know, distributing right now. Oh, yeah. It's just a bit too close. Yeah. Um, so we said that's fine. The film's not finished anyway. We, that's we understand. So after quite a slow post process, we took the film back to them, basically just to say, you know, look, we we showed you this at the start of the process. Do you want to have another look? Uh, not that we thought we'd get picked up by them, but because we actually really wanted feedback. Um, and uh, luckily they watched it and said, well, it's been long enough and we're more than happy to pick this film up. We'd love to take it out there. And that happened uh, nearly two years ago now. But just as we did, just as everything was moving into position, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> they, gave us a, a, they gave us an option and said, look, you know, you can go straight to video on demand if you want. But we do also think that you could have a, you know, a select cinema release with this. And if you want to wait, we're happy to wait with you. And we felt that we'd waited long enough anyway. Um, what, what, and at that point, you probably thought, yeah, what's three months? COVID will only last three months. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we'll all Ex- shut exactly. down for a bit. You know, three months later, back no in the cinema. Problem, yeah. Yes, and unf- un- unfortunately, it didn't happen that way. And um, yes, we, we waited for quite a long time. Actually, it's, I think, worked out in our favour. And, you know, it's it has been a long journey. It's a longer journey than we'd have hoped. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of more frustrating because it felt like a long journey when we were ready to release the first time round. And it, it became an even longer journey with COVID and with the pandemic shutting everything down. But thankfully, we're now in a position where we've been able to, you know, to screen it in front of an audience in a cinema and to get that real feedback from people. And actually... That was worth the wait 100%, being able to go through this process and actually gauge a reaction in a live space with an actual audience has been invaluable to us. So, yeah, it's definitely been worth it in the long run. Yeah, no, I bet it has. Because a lot of my releases have come out during COVID and it is that missing out on having a sitting and watching it in the cinema with people or doing the Q&As. It is that kind of, an, and it, especially with a film like Lapwing, which is gorgeous and does deserve an audience to sit in a cinema and watch it. And that Q&A afterwards must be delightful. And one you did it, you did it in Cleethorpes yesterday, in fact, where we shot Three Day Millionaire. <laughs> yes, Cleethorpes last night. Yeah. Oh, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And because we shot there and I'm actually going back up there on Tuesday because we've got to do one of our investors. We're doing an advert for one of our investors. So I'm going back up there on Tuesday Brilliant. and we're doing pickups in February. So I'll be back in Cleethorpes then as well. But that cinema's gorgeous. And I know they want to, you know, we want to show oh, three day million. Parkway's gorgeous. The Parkway stunning. cinemas. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Really, yeah, superb really cinema. Nice. And, and let's talk about the reception then. Obviously we did at the beginning, but now we've talked even more about it and how it really feels to get that buzz uh you know in terms of you know waiting so long for it and obviously for you hannah and, and as well you laura it's frustrating of course it is you're in that place where we made this a while ago hopefully it's coming out hopefully it's coming out and it it, it can sort of it, i don't know there's something about it I, I stopped mentioning the dare for a while because i'm like oh yeah it's coming out so people just be like yeah yeah i've heard it all before <laughs> just before covid um and it just got really frustrating. How do you cope with that time and, and what do you do to prepare and you pushing forward to the next roles uh, for you, Hannah? What's it, what, what goes through your mind? It's a stupid question. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. I mean, like, it sounds like you completely understand it is very much, you know, you've got this thing that you feel so passionate about and means a lot to you. And pe people, you know, I, I think people are genuinely interested, but there was this period of time where it was just like someone would ask and you'd be like yeah it's coming out and <laughs> sometime <Yeah. laughs> hopefully one day. one day and um and and it does start to be that you kind of almost um you almost kind of want to stop thinking about it I mean very much not fulfill because he was like <laughs> he yeah. was still like in the don't world don't forget don't forget me <laughs> with your wellies over there don't yeah. forget me <laughs> he spent so much time looking at my sad face on the screen after we shot the film I know you're so smiley and happy and in the film you're just <laughs> so downbeat and it's amazing yeah. amazing transformation Thank I love you. it um, but yeah it is very much it's it, there's so many different emotions that go with it it's kind of you've got the excitement when you've got kind of first finished filming and then you've got this period of time where you're just kind of like you almost have to slightly detach because mm. you've kind of got to think okay well it's it's doing its thing now it's kind of um you know it's it's in in post-production there are amazing people who are kind of doing their thing with it now well because you well actually i mentioned going uh country before laura and phil but you actually made it after, after. you shot lapwing right so yeah that must be interesting to then go back to making a short while you're yeah, in hannah's, hannah's in that as well yeah, I, I was in that too yeah. yay of course of course i'll be all right i'll come back <laughs> well, it's not it's not a feature <laughs> will this one come out <laughs> Yeah, it was great. Got to play a very, very different character. Yeah, it was um, basically we, you know, we had a relationship with the BFI, and that relationship meant that we were able to um, apply before before Lapwing had been finished um, for the short fund. Basically, if you you know if you have a released feature film, then you aren't eligible for the short fund. And because the film was still kind of in post production limbo. Um, the BFI said, look, you know, you should definitely apply with the idea that we've been talking to you about. We, you know, we really like it and we think that you can make it. And we also had a, you know, I had certainly had a bit of resting on my laurels anxiousness um, mm. going around where I was like, I haven't had a camera in front of me for ages and I haven't filmed anything and I don't like it and I want to make something <laughs> now. And this idea had been floating, that idea had been floating around for a while between me and Laura and um, it just all sort of fell together very quickly. That was a very quick process as well. Um, and the BFI were great and got behind us quite significantly. Laura, how was that for you then to 
now going back to writing a short again was it something that you could put all your skills in and sort of go this is because writing shorts is hard it's actually really difficult i think (laughs) sometimes it's harder than features yeah i think it's i think it's a really interesting one like there's a there's a conciseness to a short film um Mm. which as you say is you know for me i guess writing lapwing when i began it was a daunting process because i'd not written anything so lengthy for the screen before you know i was i was a playwright so i was used to writing you know an hour and a half two hours of content but Mm -hmm. obviously screenwriting is so different to writing plays um that I was, you know, I was, I was quite daunted by that when I kind of embarked on Lapwing. But actually, you know, the the expansiveness of the story actually becomes something that enables you to kind of let go in a way that you can't always with short film. I think with short film, you always have to keep your eye on the ball and think very precisely about what you're choosing to show and what you're not showing and what the 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 message of that short film is. Um, but it was, I, I mean, I actually really, I really enjoy writing shorts, actually. It's something that, you know, every now and again, I'll sort of say to Phil, I'll be like, I've written short. <laughs> and I, I can see Phil going like, oh yeah, it would be fun to make it, but Laura, don't make me make something again. Like <laughs> right now, make, like there's, yeah, lots, yeah. there's lots going on with Lapwing at the moment. <laughs> you mentioned BFI there as well, Philip. You you sort of said, yeah, and then we were talking to the BFI. How did that come about? So a lot of people are screaming at the podcast devices now going, wait, 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 what about that BFI thing? Because a lot of people are trying to find that bit of money or trying to find those ins. How did it work for you with the BFI and the funding body? Well, the BFI, you know, they're, they're really approachable. And now that the BFI have the regional hubs, um, certainly for short films, um, you know, feature films are very different and a very different approach. But for short film funding, um, you know, they're incredibly approachable. And every every section of the country has its own, um, own hub that you can contact. And, you know, they're, they're open to just being contacted and saying, look, you know, what schemes are available? And I think at the moment there are rolling schemes that are available for, for young for filmmakers, you know, filmmakers who haven't made their first feature film or who have, you know, are looking to make maybe their first short. And then there's, you know, there's other schemes that are available for people who are a little bit more developed. And just getting in touch with them and having a chat. I mean, we first, I made my first BFI short film, which we called The Knock um, in 2016. And that was off the back of what was uh, iShorts back then. Yes. So iShorts doesn't exist in the same no, form sadly. anymore. But, um, yeah. but sadly, which it was a great scheme, um, which is actually iShorts is where we got through to the very final um, stages of iShorts with our original inception for um, for Lapwing. Oh, I see. Um, okay. So that's, that's what kind of gave us the confidence to move forward with Lapwing is that we, you know, we knew there was something about the idea which was sticking and the BFI had been fantastic in, um, in helping us develop it to a quite, you know, quite an advanced stage. And it was them that said, look, you know, we, we love it. We think it's a great idea, but we do think it's just a bit ambitious for this particular scheme. And so the next year came around and I had a, an idea myself. I just, I kind of had been working on for a little while and so I approached them with that as another eye shorts and that was successful thankfully and that created a bit of a you know a bit of a dialogue bit of a relationship with them which meant that also we had a, a better grounding of of the process of certainly the application mm-hmm. process which is you know can be quite um you know can be quite onerous um grueling and yeah. just meant that a bit grueling and we you know and we we were lucky we we were successful with going country and um and you know we still have a great relationship with them now but it is it's a very different thing the BFI network and um, the film hubs for short film funding is you know it's a different kind of department to the uh, the, the feature film funding which is um, 
you know, where we uh, where, where we wanted to get to when it came to, yes. to Lapwing. Okay, that's great. That's good to know. But at least now, once you're part of that world, it is a little easier to knock on the door with your features and go, hey, Lapwing 2, anyone? You know what I mean? <laughs> it is... It, 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 I mean, why not, by the way? Uh, <laughs> just give us loads of money this time. Yeah. <laughs> and some warm blankets. Yeah, which which must be great moving forward. And already you, you guys want to work together again. Obviously, you've worked together quite a lot, which is nice. And it's nice to create this team and your DP, Stuart, as well. You've worked with a lot and your team. It, I, I love creating teams and then all working together. And you, you find your tribe and you love it. Are you guys the same? It feels like you are. You're all nodding. <laughs> <laughs> oh definitely yeah I think you know it's it's so lovely when you find those people that you can collaborate with and that you you know you share so much in terms of you know you come from a place of shared interests initially mm. and then those just grow and you know the references and the shorthand that you have between each other as a team um and I, you know, I think it's just working with people that really inspire you as well, you know, kind of looking at everybody's individual kind of creative process and going, that's, that's incredible. That's amazing. Like, you know, as you mentioned, you mentioned Stuart, our um, incredible cinematographer, you know, every time I watch Lapwing, I notice something else that I, is just stunning. And it's kind of, you know, there's so much beautiful material in there. And I think you just, yeah, for, certainly for me, I just feel so grateful to kind of have found you know, people who like, like-minded people who you want to kind of develop more stories together with. So yes, we are absolutely kind of working on, working on the next project already and, you know, very much looking forward to the future. I love that. Um, so a little bit of advice for people who haven't made uh, a feature film yet or want to haven't, let's start with you, Hannah, in terms of acting in a feature film and such a, you know, a brave, fantastic performance from you as well and just went there and it was just immersive and it was beautiful to watch. It really, You really do deserve the plaudits you're getting at the moment because it's stunning and I imagine it was helped massively by Philip as well, but your commitment to it was hugely uh, impressive. So what advice would you give to a, a, an actor who maybe is about to embark on their first lead role or a strong role in a film? Thank you very much uh, for saying all of that. It's very kind. God, I think just go for it and embrace it and enjoy it. And I think especially if you're choosing something you feel really passionate about and a story you feel passionate about telling, every single actor has a different approach to things. Mine is very much, I I really like to immerse myself in whatever world it is. I, I like to try and think the thoughts of that character and find a connection with them. And I think that's one of the most incredible things about acting is that it kind of teaches us empathy because we get to experience life from someone else's point of view we get to kind of see where they're coming from and understand why they make the decisions they make so for, for me it's you know very much just it just embrace and immerse yourself in that world and I guess you know just making sure you're working with people who that, that are passionate about what they're doing and I'm sure there are going to be situations where you you know maybe people don't get on or whatever else I guess it's kind of have also having that strength uh, and and grounding of, of of knowing your worth I think that would be one piece of advice I would give is is as actors we're often just like yes I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll do it I'll do anything um, <laughs> and <laughs> which which is a 
partly a really good thing, but I think it's also just uh, remembering that um, that you know, remembering your worth and remembering that you're you're there to to tell a story as well. And and yeah, same for you, Laura. Then in terms of uh, uh, writing something and some advice for for a writer who's who's maybe struggling with a feature right now. I think probably the best piece of advice that I. I feel that I could offer is is that kind of feel the fear and do it anyway you know whether that's the fear of the technical side of it you know the the reality of sitting down and writing a script can be very daunting but you know that as you've as you've said earlier in today's conversation you know that's the first ingredient that kind of has to happen for all the rest of it to happen and don't hold yourself back I think is the thing you know whether that's putting the time in sat alone at your computer like that can that can feel daunting but Mm -hmm. embrace it enjoy it like actually you know that's that's a time that is special because it's you and the story and the characters and that's exciting and I think as well creatively don't hold yourself back like let yourself go to places that might scare you you know it's, and that's not just me kind of coming from a perspective of writing about very dark things you know I think that's <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just a, I think you know as writers we are also very self-analytical and self-critical people you know we're constantly kind of assessing and editing our work but actually there's real merit in just writing you can sort it out afterwards if, it, if you genuinely look back on it and think it's a mess you can sort that out but you can't sort anything out if you haven't got words on the page and just I think be brave to kind of go to the places that make you feel vulnerable that make you feel exposed because actually that's where the great content lies and when you then get the opportunity to start sharing that story with people that's the stuff that's gonna um, chime with them and is gonna kind of hopefully get your story noticed and get people kind of excited about your story and about your characters and and wanting to make it you know that's that's the biggest thing that a writer kind of has to do has to put something on the page that's gonna excite other people um so yeah just be brave feel that fear and do it anyway brilliant Absolutely love it. Uh, amazing. Um, and same, I suppose, for you, Philip, in terms of what you learnt from making your first feature that you will take forward, I think, to your next one. Maybe the things you'd, you'd probably do differently. I don't know if there's any, that even exists in terms of that. But in terms of what you've learnt, it would be really fascinating. I think the main takeaway from from my experience is not just on the feature film, but as time has gone on and the more time I've spent telling stories is just to stick to your convictions, to to believe in yourself. Be brave. You know, often there's so many voices, not just in the voices of the people around you, but the voices of society, the voices of um, expectation, the voices of, you know, <laughs> of failure. They all shout at you all the time <laughs> and it's so easy to listen to them. Yeah, it's yeah. so easy to listen to them. Um, and actually, you find that when you're brave and you don't and you stick to your convictions and you stick to your instincts as well, the things that you like, the things that you love, the things that resonate with you are the things that are going to work for you as a storyteller. So don't be swayed, I think, is the biggest thing. And, I, and there's one thing I've learned as time has gone by is not to be swayed and to stick to the things that I believe in and to believe in myself as much as possible. And that's a hard thing to do. It's very hard to to maintain that conviction. But if you can do it, you will be a better storyteller for it. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, Lapwing is out now. 
go watch it. Uh, is it in? Uh, is it still in select cinemas? Do we think? Is it still doing a bit of a tour? Because um, the website is in a lapwing.com. Yeah, it's currently uh, screening at uh, home in Manchester, the uh, Rio Dalston in uh, the Parkway in Cleethorpes, and um, it's going to be in the Mac in Birmingham in January as well. Amazing! That is so cool. If you don't get a chance to go to the cinema, I'd suggest you do if you can. If you're anywhere near any of those um, locations, and we'll put a, a little list in the show notes as well. If not, it is available uh, on uh, various other platforms as well in terms of Sky, uh, iTunes, Apple, uh, the same thing, but you know what I mean. Amazon, Amazon yeah. Prime. <laughs> Go seek this movie out. We'll be putting links to that in the show notes. It's well worth your time. Indie filmmakers out there, this is for you. This is what you can do. This is really inspiring. Honestly, I, I think it's fabulous. I think you've all done a brilliant job. I've really loved it. Like, loved it. I was like, Thank yes. You. Thank you. The bravery <laughs> and the, the, the just... Really appreciate no, that, Charles. It's that's nice. stunning and you should be should be rewarded and I hope BFI go here's a ton of money to make your next feature that's what I want to hear <laughs> when you come on next here's, here's hoping. hoping they listen they know <laughs> uh, Philip Stevens thank you so much for your time thank you very much Charles it's been great uh, and Laura Turner thank you thank you so much it's been a pleasure Hannah Douglas thank you thank you very much thank you remember you can go out there and make your indie film you can do it even if it's on a Lincolnshire coast uh, and you haven't got facilities around you can go do it make it happen believe in yourself and if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well it is your duty to send the elevator back down we will see you next Tuesday Tuesday, as always, go out there, do something to make your film happen. Make it happen. We'll see you next week. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.